Thank you for having me today. Uh, it's an incredible honor uh, to have been asked uh, to share a little bit about the work uh, that I do and the vision that, uh, that I have for children's books. Uh, I wanted to take a moment, though, to, uh, to honor all of you in this room uh, and the work that you do. Uh, teaching is a remarkable way to spend a life. And I want to thank you for what you do every day. Uh, my wife is a teacher. Uh, a number of my best friends are teachers. In my work, I spend a lot of time with teachers. I am not a teacher because I've seen your job <laughs> and it looks way too hard to me. I've just, uh, I've just finished uh, five weeks of, uh, of touring around schools, which is something that I do every year. Uh, four states, uh, different school every day, uh, over 30,000 kids that I've seen in that time. Uh, we talk about creativity and the imagination. Uh, we talk about reading and writing and drawing. We laugh, we make up crazy stories. I prove to them that their imagination is powerful and fun, and yes, that they all have one. Uh, because as you'll know, even at six years old, uh, you will have children whose confidence in their own creative abilities uh, has already been taken away. One of my favorite stories uh, from this season, uh, I do an exercise where uh, we use drawing as a tool uh, to help students in their creative writing. Uh, and we create a ridiculous character. Uh, and in this one case, uh, we ended up with this boy with large eyes and uh, small nose and huge ears and wearing a tube of toothpaste. Uh, and, uh, and we name these characters in this exercise by combining one of the kids' uh, pets' names uh, with uh, the name of one of their streets that they live in. And so we'd ended up with uh, Boof Windrush. Okay, Boof Windrush was our character. Now, you know the drill. Uh, you, you want kids to create a story, so you've got a character. Excellent. Uh, the next step is to choose a setting. And, uh, and so my question to the class was, where should Boof Windrush be standing right now? Uh, and I was expecting a lot of the standard sort of answers, you know, fairyland, uh, the moon, the, the school. Uh, and a six-year-old boy in the front row put up his hand with a very serious expression and said, the Siberian front. <laughs> I love spending time with kids. I really, really love it. Now, outside of that third term tour uh, each year, uh, I work as an author and as an illustrator of funny children's books. My wife, Beck, and I, uh, we run our own company. Uh, all our books are published by ABC Books. Uh, and we create series, which we write, illustrate, and design. And today I would like to share with you briefly the vision behind the work that we do uh, and how that informs the creative choices uh, that we make. Now, I was following this conference along on Twitter yesterday, and, uh, and I believe, unless someone quoted him incorrectly, that, uh, that Todd Whitaker said that teaching children to read is a teacher's job, teaching children to love to read is a teacher's gift. And I love that particularly because you are not alone in that pursuit. That is the work that we partner with you in. Children falling in love with reading is the thing that drives us. I was honoured to be an ambassador for Australian Reading Hour this year. Uh, and we know that reading reduces stress, helps with identity formation, develops empathy. It's been shown that reading a bedtime story six days a week can put kids almost a year ahead when they start school. 
reading decreases the risk of dementia and it stimulates creativity. Reading brings a lot of great things into our lives and into the lives of our kids. But principally, it's supposed to be enjoyable. Have fun reading. This is what we want for all kids. I meet a lot of children in schools, at writers' festivals, in my kids' school, uh, on YouTube, who think about reading like it's homework. It's one of the many things in their life that they're forced to do, and that makes it an uphill slog. In the book world, we call these kids reluctant readers. And I am amazed by how early kids can adopt the I hate reading label. And it's a sticky label. It can stick their whole life. By adulthood, we've usually modified the label to something that's more like, uh, I'm, I'm just not a reader. But it starts with that sentence, that oh, I hate reading. And the thing is, it's just not true. You can't hate reading. No one says they hate watching movies. Sure, there are some movies we hate, but we don't hate watching all movies. Or music. No one hates all music. We all hate some music, but no one writes off all music, not in the way that often kids can write off kind of all books. And one of the reasons I love creating children's books is because we have the chance to change a kid's life in an instant. And if you turn them onto books, however you do it, that's exactly what you've done. Changed their life. Books changed my life. I fell in love with reading in the middle grades. I used to read to try to understand life. Books taught me how to think and how to feel, or at least how to understand what I was feeling, or imagine what other people might be feeling. Nothing puts you in another person's shoes like a book does. And when I discovered the senior fiction section in our school library, I began a, I began a patient and systematic mission to manipulate my librarian into letting me borrow from them well before I should have been allowed to. Uh, my parents were quite restrictive about what I could watch, uh, but they didn't seem to care what I read. Uh, so I used books as a kid to try to understand the world of adults, uh, and I loved it. We want kids to have fun reading. We want it to be fun. It's supposed to be fun. And once their eyes have been opened to the world of books, they will realise that there is an entire universe to in explore inside their school library. But first, they need a gateway, and that's where we work. We build gates. See, we know that 74% of children in Australia say that they would read more if they found more books they liked. And the number one thing that kids between the ages of 6 and 17 say they look for in a book? Stories that make them laugh. Beck and I create funny book series for kids aged 2 to 12. We work through the night. We travel around Australia. We experiment. We publish eight books in a year. We put drawing lessons on YouTube. We shoot books out of cannons and launch them off drones. And we listen to what the kids are telling us. They speak to us and we create for them. We serve them. And by doing that, we get to experience the joy of turning on their love of reading. This series is called Books That Drive Kids Crazy, and Beck and I have created these together. There are five read-aloud picture books in this series. These books are not books that you can send a child away into the corner to read by themselves. 
These books are to be shared between an adult or an older child and a younger child. They are designed to facilitate play through the process of reading the book. See, there was a study done of six to eight-year-olds whose parents had stopped reading out loud to them. And more than half said they didn't want their parents to stop. You will know this, but when I'm in schools chatting with teachers and I ask them what they think the biggest variable is in determining whether a child will discover a love of reading, they tell me it comes down to whether reading is valued in the home. The biggest variable are the parents. See, maybe reading to kids needs to be fun for adults too. So much of the fun of reading occurs when the reading is shared. And so Beck and I created this series to be shared between a parent and a child, or in a classroom, or with an older sibling. These books are games. Uh, this is a ball. Uh, deals with perception. Everything in the book is wrong. And when the adult reads ball and points to a block, it doesn't matter how dryly they read it, the kid will bring the fun. This, uh, this book is dedicated to our goddaughter Jasmine uh, because it's based on a game that I would play with her. She would come over to our house and, and she'd be wearing a t-shirt with a dog on it. Uh, and I'd say, hi Jazz, I love your t-shirt, that's a really cute cat. And she'd say, no, it's a dog. And I'd say, yeah, but Jazz, it has two ears and cats have two ears. And she'd say, no, it's a dog. And I'd say, but no, no, it has a nose and, and all cats have noses, so it has to be a cat. And she go, no! And you get the idea, right? And, uh, and the wonderful thing that we noticed about this game is that, is that she would find it infuriating and funny, but also empowering because she knew that she was right. And she knew that I was wrong. And that, that never happens for kids. It's always the other way around. So she was going to take me on. And that's when the game begins. This is a ball is us taking that game and putting it into a book. Uh, did you take the B from my ook? Uh, is all about pronunciation. Take a book about all your favourite things that start with the letter B and then remove the B from the ook and the adult reading it starts to sound really silly. The red book explores persuasion and false logic. The adult, as they read the text, tries to convince the child that everything in this book is in fact red when it clearly is not. They use a number of persuasive techniques to do this, and in order to argue against it, the child must think through the persuasive techniques that are being employed. Wait is about patience. This is the word that kids are being told all day, every day, 50 different times. The book allows the kid to turn the tables and make the adult wait, encouraging a shared moment and an acknowledgement that yes, we all, adults and kids, hate to wait. The book that never ends is about persistence. It's a choose-your-own-adventure picture book that doesn't give you multiple endings. Instead, there's one ending and every other path takes you in circles around the book. This book requires problem-solving and recall and brings ad the adult and child together as they try to solve the puzzle. And while all five books have different themes, or with some rather pleasing alliteration, uh, the, the guiding vision for these books is that kids and adults have fun reading together. There's something quite terrifying about publicly and shamelessly trying to be funny. When you fail, you fail big. When a joke bombs, you can't hide from it. Instead, you blush, cough, shimmy away into a corner and read something by Brené Brown. 
I think this is the, one of the reasons why nearly all of the funny chapter books for kids are also about something else. Yes, they're funny, but they're also about dinosaurs or superheroes or mysteries or whatever. If you just go out there and say, this book is attempting one thing and one thing only to make you laugh, then you've got nothing else to hide behind if it doesn't live up to the hype. And yet we know that the number one thing kids are looking for from authors is that we make them laugh. So creating the Funny Kid Chapter Book series has felt a bit like standing out on the lonely stage of a stand-up comedian. These books have one job. I'm trying to do one thing. I'm trying to make kids laugh, and the series will live or die by whether I pull that off. Now, so far, so good. Uh, three years in, over 200,000 of these books uh, in the hands of Australian kids. We've sold them around the world. We're doing okay. Um, see, when I was 11, I had a similar experience. I'd written a funny story in class, the funniest story that I could come up with. I'd, I'd written it mostly to amuse myself. Uh, if I could make it funny, then it would be funny for me to write it. Um, I'd handed it to my teacher and I'd gone home. Now, my teacher quite liked my story and, and she showed it to the principal who decided to put me up in front of the whole school assembly and make me read my story out loud to the school. Now, just like Funny Kid, this is like having nowhere to hide. My story was clearly attempting to be funny, and a story that tries but fails at that task uh, doesn't just become an okay story, uh, it becomes a terrible one. Uh, bad stand-up comedy isn't boring, it's painful. But I read it, and kids laughed, and that moment changed my life. I realised that something, had come from my something that had come from my imagination had the ability to bring joy to other people. I could create using this, and they could feel happiness because of it. This, in a way, is the story of Funny Kid. Max realises that he can make people laugh, that he will own the persona of being the funny kid, and using creativity, bring joy to others. Also, conquer the world. He's a little grandiose. I put my email address in the back of these books, and kids email me their reviews. It gives me another way to listen to them, and it gives them more of a voice in my creative process. Um, I must say, though, I wasn't expecting how many kids uh, email me with links uh, inviting me to edit their Google Doc assignments. <laughs> I'm going to quickly show you two new series which aren't out yet, but this is kind of what we've been working on this year. I love writing about competition. Uh, when you have a character in a story who will do pretty much anything to win, uh, then you can put them in all sorts of extraordinary situations and they will do crazy, desperate and potentially hilarious things. Um, and I love how shamelessly competitive kids can be. I'll race you to here. I'll wrestle you. I can do this. You can't. I win. I win again. My dad's stronger than your dad. And most of the time, they can do this and it doesn't seem to affect the friendship. I think we lose that ability as adults to some extent. So P, the panda, is a zen, relaxed, very present panda. And Nut is the most hyperactive, annoying flamingo you've ever met in your life. And across a series of rhyming picture books, these two are competing. And you'll never know who is going to win in each book. The first book, which comes out in a couple of weeks, uh, is a cake-baking competition. The one I'm illustrating right now is a swimming race. They're a pair of oddballs who are funny, fluffy, and a little bit nuts. Now, when I visit schools, I get asked a lot of questions. 
Which is your favourite book? How much money do you make? Do you play Fortnite? And it's that last one that got me thinking. Because over the last few years, it's ramped up a lot. It's Minecraft and Twitch and eSports. It's Nintendo Switch and PS4 and Pokemon Go. Now, the normal reaction of a book creator is to see gaming as something of a threat, as though kids are discarding great expectations in favour of a console. I don't see it like that. And possibly that's because of the way Beck and I think about the, books, about the kids we create books for. The way to make sure kids have fun reading my books is to make sure I never think that kids owe me their attention. Just because I wrote a book doesn't mean they have to care about it. Just because I want my own kids to enjoy my favourite childhood book doesn't mean they will. And if I try and use a book to smuggle in an idea I really want them to learn, well, they're way smarter than that. Now, I'm not a gamer. I never have been. Uh, but this year, I've immersed myself in the world of gaming to create this new series. Highly visual, 165 pages each book, funny, bizarre, and set in the world of video games. It makes use of a format that we're... That that they're all very familiar with, but that most adults we kind of screw our faces up at, the idea of kids watching other kids play video games online. And it uses that world, their world, to tell a story. If I want kids to have fun reading, I can't patronise them. I can't trick them. I need to listen to them. I need to respect them. I need to be genuinely interested in them. And if we can do that, then I believe we have a shot. So teaching kids to love to read, to use Todd Whitaker's words, is, is something that we partner with you in, in order to try and achieve it together. We create books to usher kids into a love of reading, that most of, but most of the time I do that from my studio, and I use technology to try and help me connect in with the classroom. You are right there. You are doing the work, and we see that. I'll finish by telling you about one of my teachers, Mrs. O'Sullivan. She took me out of class in year two for extension creative writing, which I'm pretty sure she made up. I had her for many different subjects throughout my schooling, all the way until she was my grade 12 English teacher. Well, last year, I went back to my school, and I did my school sessions at my old school. And there was Mrs. O. She's still there. And she walked up to me and she handed me a series of typed pieces of paper. It was my funny story, the one I'd read to the school. She'd typed it for me at the time because I didn't have a computer. Then she'd kept it in a drawer for 22 years and handed it back to me. Yes, books change lives, but so do teachers. Thank you very much for having me.